lane, 15-10, touchdown Chargers! Well guys, lots has changed since we were last on this podcast. Welcome into a week 16 edition of Chargers Weekly, as always joined by Matt Muddy-Smith and Buddy, the Chargers lose 63-21 last Thursday, and obviously you knew that there was probably going to be changes after that game. Head coach Brandon Staley, general manager Tom Telesco dismissed from their roles, and we move forward with the new interim head coach and Giff Smith and JoJo Wooden going to be the interim GM moving forward with Buffalo on Saturday. And um, it was a shocking result. It was a shocking performance. And really, I don't think ownership had much choice after what we saw on Thursday. No, it stinks. You know, we've had Coach Staley on. We've had Coach, you know, we've had Tom Telesco on. Um, you know, known Tom since since was I was hired in 2017. And they're great people. And, and I believe, you know, Brandon's a great coach and he's going to get another opportunity. But but I think you, you put it perfectly. It was just too, you couldn't move forward with them. The The conversations surrounding the chargers it wouldn't have been fair to to the players it, it wouldn't have been fair to the other coaches it wouldn't have been fair to to dean spanos to john spanos to to continue asking questions of how can you allow him to to coach this team after what we saw after a historic game where the raiders scored mo- the most points in franchise history the chargers allowed the most points in franchise history and they did it in front of a national audience on a standalone game it's just much knowing what I think we all figured a couple weeks ago about this team, that, that there were going to be changes, you might as well just move forward with this new group of people, this this new leadership, and see if you can find you know something redeeming in these final three weeks because now the conversation has changed. It's changed to who's next and yeah. you know and the process and and speculating you know which individual could be the next head coach. And also I think for the players, it frees them of sort of the responsibility that they bear, that they bore, you know, and, and their lack of effort in that contest and, and their lack of execution. So now it's, you're able to flush it, okay. move forward with this game against Buffalo. And, and I'm sure a group that takes a lot of pride in, in its effort this entire season, because they fought till the bitter end in all these games to try to get that back on track against Buffalo, against Denver and against Kansas City, you know, before you wrap up what's been a disappointing season. Yeah, buddy, we were just saying, I, I think just the dam broke, right? The the pipes bursted. There were so many close games over the last couple of years, specifically this year, the, these three-point losses, these last-second losses that were crushing, yet this, te- this team still got up off the mat, and, you know, they were in every game this year. And I think it just it came to a head. Um, I think when, when Justin got hurt uh, against Denver and, you know, you, you saw the result against the Broncos, especially in that second half, and then – you know, that that we didn't recognize that team last Thursday, uh, and, and I thought that you know f- from the effort to the execution to you know you, you have a Raiders team that that gave up or allowed um, uh, three points and scored zero points the week before. Uh, they were jacked up for that game, and, and it showed. So uh, I, I go back to Jacksonville and money. We talked about Jacksonville a lot this off season, and if there was going to be carryover and. How much does one season carry over into another? I think specifically that game and the Week 18 game in Denver, um, even just the, the year before that last game against the Raiders, the collective of that I felt like carried over into this year. And this team was struggling to win close games. And if you can't win close games in the NFL, you're not going to be successful. Um, it, it felt like... Um, the offense regressed a bit this year. The defense just was seemed to be in shambles um, for uh, a large chunk of this season. And now we're here in the last three weeks. And I think the the prerequisite, number one prerequisite for an uh, interim head coach is make sure he has the respect of the players and they give maximum effort. I know Giff Smith is going to be the perfect guy for that. Yeah, a lot there. So I'll, I'll start with with sort of where you started with Justin. And I think it it just shows you what he means to the team, to both sides of the ball, the belief that they have that they can win any game because number 10's under center. So, you know, yeah, maybe we're down in a 14-point hole, but 10's going to bring us back. You know, just keep keep the foot on the gas. Don't, don't get dissuaded 
we're in this thing because Justin Herbert's taking snaps. So nothing against Easton Stick, but I just think that's what you have in a quarterback. And you could see that. And even talking to, to Shannon on the sidelines when we were asking, you know, what's going on down there? And she said, you know, a lot of heads are hanging. Uh, there's a lot of frustration, a lot of despondent looks. And she said, but there's one guy that's still fired up. He's running up and down the sideline. That's Justin Herbert. And he's trying to encourage these guys. He's trying to keep their head in it. And so I start there and, and point out how important he is to this team, not just to the offense because he's an incredibly talented quarterback, but the type of leadership and the type of belief that he fosters uh, in all three phases of football. And because that was missing, perhaps that's one of the reasons why this thing snowballed and, and got out of hand. The second thing, and I don't, I don't want to pile on a, a coach that's not here to defend himself or isn't going to have to sit across from me the following week to do a pregame interview or a postgame conversation, but – I think you when you when you mentioned the dam burst and the pipes busted, I think that's the frustration with the scheme. And we've talked about this repeatedly, where we just saw busted coverage after busted coverage and guys passing pass catchers off to nobody. And just it seemed like perpetual confusion at points in the game. And when you get down 28-0 and next thing you know, it's 35-0, I think you saw that frustration manifest into lack of execution and just so he's I'll say that I do believe that the whole meme thing about oh this is what Brandon Staley's going to be doing now he's going to be a coach again he's a good coach he's a good defensive coach the problem I think the problem is being a head coach is not being a coordinator that's just they are two completely different things when you talk to people about that transition and and I, we talked to a bunch of them and they, coaches are amazed at how different it is when they're first-time head coaches. What the responsibilities are, what the the the, you know, what you slot in as this is priority one, two, three, and you stop coaching. You you get more into leadership, delegating, making sure details are there are no details left untouched that need to be evaluated. And mm -hmm. I think for Coach Staley, he was so fixated and so adamant about proving himself as this brilliant defensive coordinator, which I think he is. I know the numbers don't bear out, but to me that is a product of being a head coach and also trying to coordinate a defense. And I think that got the best of him. And I think you saw it in a number of his press conferences, how defensive he was about his scheme, how defensive he became about his play calling. And when you start saying things like, well, I believe in the in the in the scheme, the execution isn't right. Well, now you're pointing the finger at the players. You know, well, I thought the call was right, but the players didn't execute my call the way I wanted it executed. And that's how things like this against the Raiders happen. And that's why I think, you know, Dean Spanos and, and John came to the conclusion that okay, we we've got to move on if we're gonna try to salvage something these final three games with a really great group of players that have showed max effort all season. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult because these are people and you get to know these people and, you know, I, I was at the facility Friday and it's just, you feel kind of that, that dark cloud knowing that there's going to be changes, you know, with coaches and players and it's not a great feeling, especially around the holidays, but this is the profession where you have to win, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's a results-based business. And I'll say this about Tom, you know, you mentioned it. The Tom's been was with this franchise for over a decade. You know, yeah. I, I, it's when you're with a place that long, you were doing something right, right? And I know it, it comes down to wins and losses. And realistically, in the NFL, it's very rare. I don't, I don't even know if I have an example of a general manager that was allowed to select four different head coaches. So that's just yeah. life in the NFL, where let you alone know, three. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. You're, yeah, three you're usually out. not allowed to hire the third. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I, I know wherever Tom goes, he's going to be successful. And sometimes 100%. it's just that's it's what happens in the NFL where I remember, I remember Andy Reid. Everyone was like, it's time for Andy Reid to go in Philly. All right. Well, he went to Kansas City and yeah. <laughs> look look at what he's done. He's all up in head yeah. coach. So uh, I think now pushing this forward and we'll get into, you know, what the Chargers need to look at as far as structure and head coach and GM, but just these last three weeks, um, Giff is a, a guy that's going to command respect. Um, we talked about even last week, guys, we want to see uh, develop 
Um, I'm, I'm happy for JoJo to to have that interim role. Um, he's he's been in the league a long time, and I think he deserves an opportunity to be a general manager in, in this league. So, um, before we get into 2024 and what this team is going to look like, um, just these next three weeks, money. Uh, what do you want to see on Saturday that can at least, you know, give us an idea of, you know, who's going to be around next year. Um, right. Who do we want to see develop? Because I think there's going to have to be uh, some changes to the lineup in an effort to see those things. That, that's a great point. And I think there, so I think there's, there's two questions in there, Chris. One, are we going to see something different schematically? And are we going to see different names? So, mm-hmm. you know, those are the two sort of roads that we're talking about traveling. Yeah. So schematically, I don't, th- I don't think you're going to see a lot different. I think DA is also from the Vic Fangio school of defense. So schematically, he and Brandon were aligned on that front, which would lead me to believe you're still going to see a lot of too high. You're still going to see some quarters. You're still going to see, you know, a lot of the same rules that were in place. I just wonder if there was too much put on the players and and maybe DA will pull some of that stuff back and just let them go out and and not have to follow every rule for every down and distance, every personnel group that was sort of being communicated to them because Brandon was just such a a master of of you know the I don't want to, it's not minutia, but just he he kind of had an he thought he had an answer for every single you know, down and distance, every personnel grouping and, oh, this is what, but if this happens and then this, and I think there was too much of that. So maybe that stuff will be simplified, but I think in terms of what you're going to see, you know, it's not like all of a sudden you're, it's going to become the Gus Bradley cover three, you know, only rush four, single high state. That's not what's going to happen. What, what I would like to see happen and what I hope we see happen is, is a change in a couple of the names. So I'll start with Derwin. Every time Derwin went up high, I just was like, "What? That, that's not where you maximize. When I saw Derwin get in the slot, I'm like, that's not where he's best used. Let's Correct. let's put Derwin in that, that same sort of position that he was when he was a rookie, you know, where he is on the line of scrimmage. He's a box safety. He's even playing some linebacker, some dime linebacker. And like, let's get him where he's so effective. You know, and and so I'm hoping we see a little bit more of that from from Derwin. So you so like and then when you talk about names, Chris, I think you're talking about giving the next general manager and head coach an opportunity to evaluate some of these players, you know, yeah. and, and and so just defensively, I'm thinking about Wait. Kenneth Murray did not have his fifth year option picked up. Eric Hendricks is on a contract considering the salary cap that I think will have to be discussed whether or not it makes sense to bring him back. So I want to see Dayon Henley out there get some snaps. You know, I want to see Nick Neiman out there getting some snaps. I want to see Derwin James at linebacker with Dayon. Can they get super athletic in that line, like the Cowboys are, you know, at that linebacking level? And does that work a little bit better? So I think it's important to do that in order to get it. JT Woods has got to play if he's happy enough play. to play. So you, cause so you can evaluate him. Otherwise you can't evaluate him and, and you want to at least get some tape for the next group of coaches to try to at least say, okay, we can, we can work with this or we can't. And let's, cause mm-hmm. I think that's a very real possibility. I think it's a very real possibility that this mm-hmm. roster gets torn apart with the next coaching group. You know, it's been together. It's come up short. It's very expensive, specifically on defense. It's the second most expensive defense in the league. And you've got so many of these guys, you know, Austin Johnson, free agent, Sebastian Joseph Day, free agent. Like, so that means Scott Matlock, you know, that it's, 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 you have to be able to evaluate those players offensively. I think we're, we're in the same mold as well. You know, it's, it's gotta be Josh Palmer and Quentin Johnston. You know, what have we talked about Josh? He shadowed Keenan his entire career here. Okay. Well, let's see him in the Keenan role. Quentin Johnston has the same body type as Mike Williams. Let's see him in the Mike Williams role. You know, Boston Eckler did not get his contract renegotiated like he wanted. Josh Kelly's in the last year of his deal. Isaiah Spiller's got two years left on a very affordable fourth round rookie contract. And we started to see that against the Raiders. Let's see 20 touches. Let's see 30 touches, you know, something like that from Isaiah Spiller. I think that's the sort of thing that we're talking about. And I would almost 
I would almost think about tinkering with the offensive line a little bit too, Chris. I mean, you already got Brennan Hymas. It's going to be playing center in place of Will Clapp. But I, I think I, I would I would think about kicking Jamari out for some for a half maybe in place of Trey and and slamming McFadden in there at guard or or trying McFadden at tackle. Like I think those are the sort of things that we're talking about now that. For all intents and purposes, they've been mathematically eliminated. I just think you owe that to the next group to get some tape out there on some of these guys and whether or not you can continue with them moving forward and what their roles may be moving forward. It became very real and apparent, right, after what happened on Thursday that, you know, this Chargers team went all in with these cap numbers with Keenan and Mike and Khalil and Joey and – Man, whoever the next general manager is going to be is going to have a lot of decisions to make in terms of getting under the cap and and figuring out maybe potentially trading some of these guys with cap numbers. Like, I, who knows what direction you go in? And I think just by default, money with with these injuries, like you're right. Like, you know, Palmer and Quinton. Like, it's it's going to be really good to evaluate those guys. I think we've seen enough of Josh that that I think Josh can be like a fringe wide receiver two, very good wide receiver three. Quinton is, you know, I think just needs to get his confidence up. And we see uh, just development over these next three weeks. And, you know, as far as Easton's concerned too, you know, it's it's an evaluation for him. Like who's going to be the backup quarterback next year? Right. Um, and that coach, whoever the coach is going to be, is going to have a decision to make there. So um, anything else – for for Saturday, Buffalo is Buffalo's coming in uh, hot. They're coming in probably desperate in terms of wanting to make the playoffs and and get in as a wild card. Um, so you look at where the Chargers are at versus this motivated Buffalo team. Uh, it's gonna be a tough game. It's gonna be a tough game for the Chargers. Uh, but like I said at the top with, with GIF, I think they'll play hard for GIF and you know hopefully give these Bills a game. And they're good. I went back and watched their last couple games, and holy James cow, Cook, James Cook has got juice. And I think, you know, you want to talk about putting a defense in conflict. Nobody, n- not even the Chiefs. I, 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 I know this may sound crazy, but like without Tyreek Hill, I should say with Tyreek Hill, that's the you know Patrick Mahomes plus Tyreek Hill was the greatest headache perhaps that 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 football's ever known. But without. <laughs> The, the, Josh Allen puts your defense in so much conflict. Nobody runs RPOs and runs option better than he does because of the weapon that he is with his legs, man. That's a good Dallas defense, and they were frozen. Every time that ball, every time the mesh is met with Allen and Cook, they are just frozen. I'm talking about Micah Parkinson's frozen because Cook's got so much juice and Josh has got so much juice and physicality. And it just seemed like every single one of those options he chose correctly. He's so good at it. (laughs) And on top of that, he's so good and decisive about when he's going to run on non-designed runs and what he makes out of those plays. So like it's to me, it's more lethal than Lamar Jackson's legs because of how good of a passer and the pass catching options that he has as well. Stefan Diggs, like, I couldn't believe it when I when I wrote him out. I want to pull it up. I could not believe Stephon Diggs' numbers just because we've had this year of Keenan and we've talked about, you know, the 10,000 yards, the 900 catches, the touchdowns. Stephon Diggs has been in the league two fewer years than Keenan. So Keenan just passed 900 receptions, right? Mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs is at 794 catches. Keenan just passed 10,000 yards. Stephon Diggs is at 9,853 yards, and he has got 10 more touchdowns than Keenan Allen. I mean, he is a nightmare. The guy catches everything. He's got yak. He's got, he's like, and when you look at Keenan's numbers, the other thing that jumps out at you are first downs, right? I'm making these catches for first downs. He is on pace to surpass him a year sooner than in all of those numbers than what Keenan had. Like, that's the type of weapon that you're talking about that doesn't get mentioned nearly enough in the elite receiver category. But so I think when you combine that, how important, like Dalton Kincaid, his rookie season, he's got 495 yards and 61 catches. He's second on the team. Like he's got weapons. He's got weapons. And then you factor in just the sheer physical. And I'm just talking, just let's not even get to the defense yet. 
but I'm just talking about the sheer physicality in which they operate with. So they go up on the Cowboys, right? And then they open the second half and they are running with an David Edwards is out there as a sixth offensive lineman. And holy cow, they get into bully ball and they just start pushing the Cowboys around and they are rotating Ty Johnson and Latavius Murray and James Cook. And here's two tight ends and here's six old linemen. And yeah, we're going to run it every single play. And now here's a design run from Josh Allen. Man, that is that is a load. That is a freaking load that is coming to town. And and I can only you said it. I got I know this team has pride. I know this defense has pride. They've got some really good players on that side of the ball. And and I think when they watch the film, they know, okay, well, we are not going to get humiliated a second week in a row and, and we're gonna have to be focused in order to try to slow this freaking train down. Man, you know what? A, a lot of question marks when Sean McDermott made the the play caller switch from Dorsey to Joe Brady. Joe Brady ran the football 49 times last week and said he yeah. had no intention of running it 49 times, but it was working. So what, when you have this this two-dimensional offense now where where Josh Allen throws for under 100 yards and they're still devastating <laughs> running the football, yeah. they have so many big-time injuries on defense, though. It looks like the defense is playing better. So it, it's not going to be an easy game for the Chargers, obviously, on a Saturday. Um, so, you know, you get a couple extra days, but it's uh, – it's going to be a yeah. tall task for the Bolts. Uh, you know, defensively, you know, they're going to be down Jordan Phillips. Looks like they're going to be down Micah Hyde. So that's that that helps. Phillips is just a massive human being, and he still gets in the backfield, and, and he's super active and has incredible feet for being someone that big. So to have him out is going to help a, a lot. Micah Hyde, like that's the one thing that jumped out at me defensively. They're very sound tacklers. Um, they, I just want to make sure I get there, you know, who I want to talk about. So they're very sound tacklers best safety tandem you know uh, in conversation with Denver when, when Jackson and Simmons are out there but Hyde and Poyer in the league they probably dropped I think I counted four they dropped four interceptions like that they had squared up hands on and just couldn't secure the ball so they're jumping routes they're reading they're reading routes they're able to put you in conflict they have so many forced fumbles on their ledger like you go down and there's like 12 players with at least one forced fumble on this team. So they're constantly trying to create turnovers. And then on top of that, man, it just seemed like whenever they dialed up that blitz, and even if it was a run blitz, it was just perfect. It is like if it's Teron Johnson or Taylor Rapp, it was just perfect. The, the timing, the, the reading of the snap count, just a very buttoned up group. And, and so that brings me to what the Chargers this week, Chris, and I'll just start with I was very surprised that there was not a lot that there was not more RPO, that there was not more design quarterback runs for Easton Stick yeah. for Kellen Moore, because they're they're going to have to have it. You're going to have to try to get this defense on their heels, and I don't know how else you do that than by using Easton Stick as a weapon with his feet and trying to get more of these RPOs and, and more, of, more mesh opportunities in there between he and Isaiah. All right, so we talked about this year, 2023, when we come right. back, we will push it forward and talk about this head coach and GM search. This is Chargers Weekly presented by Microsoft Surface. All right, guys, a big thank you to our partner, Microsoft Surface, the official sideline technology provider and laptop of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers that provides players and coaches with the tools to succeed both on and off the field. Check out the powerful Surface Pro 9, combining the power of a laptop with the flexibility of a tablet at Surface.com. VIP ticket packages for the first ever Super Bowl in Las Vegas are now on sale. And only on location offers all-inclusive experiences worthy of the entertainment capital of the world. Ticket packages boast an array of offerings, such as premium seating to the game, epic pregame parties with headline talent, NFL legend appearances, premium drinks and fare, and much more. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. Hey, Chargers fans, you want to eat? Uber Eats now available for in-stadium pickup. Order all of your stadium favorites from your seat with the Uber Eats app. Just set your location to SoFi Stadium, select your favorites, and you'll receive a notification when your order is ready for pickup. There are many mouth-watering options in SoFi Stadium. Let the stadium rumble, not your stomach. Go Chargers. 
So, Money, obviously a lot of speculation as to who the Chargers should pursue in terms of a head coach and a general manager. All the speculative names, Bill Belichick, uh, Jim Harbaugh, who has a college football playoff game to play, and Belichick has a season to finish. Um, I think that there is a, I don't want to say a majority, but I, I, I'm in this camp that the Chargers need to identify a head coach with previous head coaching experience, somebody who commands ultimate respect, um, who has won. Um, keep in mind, you're going to be in a division with uh, Sean Payton and Andy Reid, and who knows who the Raiders will hire. Um, so as far as the head coach is concerned, you know, you, you could talk about those names. I would, and, and John Spano said this, that it's going to be an exhaustive process. Um, there's going to be no cap on, you know, what they will do to find the appropriate head coach. Um, and I, I think that you have to look far and wide, man. Um, Belichick and Harbaugh, that's, th those are the two speculative names. I, I would give up a draft pick if I needed to for a guy, right? You know, you see who's out there. Uh, it, does Brable want to coach somewhere else? Is Mike Tomlin being ran out of Pittsburgh? We don't know. You know, I think there's a lot of things to, to consider and a lot that needs to unfold when this search finally ends here in January. But uh, that's that's kind of the feeling I have is that the, the, the first time head coaches, they've tried it the last three times with McCoy, with Coach Lynn, and Coach Staley, um, and they've had mixed results. I think this time, especially now that Justin Herbert's rookie window is closed, you have to win. Um, they have to retool this roster immediately. And, you know, next year may be a little bit of a transitional year in terms of personnel, but they got to get an experienced guy, in my opinion. So, yeah, I... I for for me, I in in doing you know the radio show and doing the podcast with with or the uh, TV show with Loneal for for Bally's the the Believe Show and just even just walking around you know not that I'm some sort of celebrity but people recognize me Charger I shouldn't say people you Chargers are a celebrity fans, buddy you are a celebrity uh, Chargers fans recognize me and and there is one name that 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 is so far ahead of all others like it's when i say it's 20 to 1 it might be 50 to 1 the name that i hear and i think it's because it lines up and it's jim harbaugh it lines up there's history with the organization he you know when he was made the head coach his first time ever being a head coach at the university of san diego he used to hang out at the facility he's close obviously he's a former charger player you know, there's a good Lorenzo Neal pointed out. He's like Harbaugh was at the facility all the time when he was at San Diego, constantly picking the brains of coaches and us players and stuff about how. So there is there is a familiarity. There is a kinship. There's a friendship between this organization and coach and, and coach Harbaugh. And and I'm I'm pretty sure he was part and, and he was considered when they hired Anthony Lynn. I, I do believe his name was kicked around and was was vetted and was evaluated. So it's not like they're. <laughs> That, that like this is a foreign territory and there's some sort of Johnny come lately to, to Harbaugh because of what he's done at Michigan. I think they've recognized his coaching brilliance, you know, a, a, six years ago when they thought about making him the next head coach after Mike McCoy. You know, you talk about experience, Chris, and you think about those three coaches that you just mentioned. Look at the two coaches before. North Turner, previous head coaching experience, takes them to the AFC Championship. Marty Schottenheimer, previous head coaching experience, 14-2. and two. Like, there is something to that. And and the third thing you said, you need a winner. Like to me, I just feel like this, this era of charger football has been defined by losing by yeah. how they lost games. And so when that new face walks through that door, I would like for it to be associated with Mike Tomlin, Super Bowl champion, Bill Belichick, six time Super Bowl champion, Jim Harbaugh, 44 and whatever he was in San Francisco, 44 and 13 or something, you know, made Stanford the top power in the Pac-12. Like, it came in to a Stanford team that had won one game and made them the most physical, ass-kicking, you-do-not-want-to-play-us-on-Saturday team in the Pac-12 and ran Pete Carroll off to the NFL and ended USC. Like, all of those things, like that's what walks through the door the second he's announced as the head coach. Holy crap. 
This dude made Stanford a power. This guy made USC quit because Toby Gerhardt ran on their throats, their chests, their skulls, their freaking legs, and humiliated him in the Coliseum to the point that Pete Carroll had to come up to him after the game and say, what's your deal? What's like, your deal? That's, exactly. Like, that's what you're hiring. And and you said it. I, I don't doubt, and we've seen it, right? Mike McDaniel, great head coach, has done great things in Miami. Nick Sirianni, we know him well. Shane Steichen, there are so many examples of first-time head coaches that are doing great things. They're just, I, they're not doing it against Andy Reid, Sean Payton, and, and I've got to believe the Raiders want Harbaugh. I would be very surprised if they didn't. They, he likes John Gruden, Josh McDaniels, ten million bucks a year. You know, Mark Davis is not afraid to go get that guy. So I think you're talking about probably another formidable head coach in Las Vegas this offseason. So to me, I think all of those names make sense. If for some reason Tennessee decides it's time to move on from Vrabel, which I can't envision, I think he's just he's the he's the face of that franchise. Yeah. Uh, but if for some reason they decide that Tomlin's the, the the you know is the problem, which again I can't envision that you know. Then I think that certainly they come in to to the conversation. Dan Quinn's interesting, you know, because he's got head coaching experience. Um, that's a tough one, though. I, I think that's I, I think that's that's borderline, right? But I, I I do think while I don't know Ben Johnson may be an incredible head coach, you know. Coach McDonald from Baltimore, you know, the defensive coordinator might be an incredible head coach. We just don't know. And I don't know. I don't know how they'll carry themselves in front of a group that has become so accustomed to losing tough games and being associated with figuring out how to snatch defeat from the hands of victory. I think it'd be super. I think it would be very valuable to have someone come in and say, well, that's your issue. It's not my issue. I'm coming in with this. So I intend to keep this going. So you better get on board with me because this is how I operate and this is what my coaching resume says. I don't give a damn what the logo on the side of your helmet or, or what the name on the front of the jersey you think suggests because that ain't what it suggests to me. So let's get yeah. this thing right. I know Ben Johnson is an amazing play caller. I don't know if he's a CEO. I don't know if he's right. a culture changer. That's, that's the thing. I think with Mike McDaniel, the difference with Mike McDaniel is that he literally – like grew up with the Shanahan's, right? He, he knows right. what that looks like. He grew up with Mike, he grew up with Kyle. And, I, you know, the, the first time head coach, I just, I get a little apprehensive because of what they've been through, like you said, the last several years. I, I know with Jim Harbaugh, I know what I'm getting. I'm, I'm getting a guy who elevates the quarterback position. I get a guy who has done it at different levels and it has been to a Super Bowl. Is is about to play Nick Saban in in Alabama in the Rose Bowl here up the street here in uh, in a week and change, and everywhere he's gone, he's had success. His players swear by him. They're tough. They're tough minded team. They're physical. I mean, that's everything that I think. If you had a, a checklist for the Chargers, what they needed in twenty twenty four, I think Jim Harbaugh checks off a lot of those boxes. Right. Um, the, the, the I first think I'll just year jump they... in there real quick, Chris. Like yeah. The one thing I will say, and there's a reason why he hasn't, even though he's wanted to be a head coach in the NFL, you know, he's a quirky personality. And obviously he ran into some conflict at mm -hmm. the 49ers. And, and so I think if there is any reason why, maybe that does not come to fruition. I think it's important to keep that in mind, that yeah. that, that has always been something, fair or not, that's been attached to him, that he can be quirky, he can make things uncomfortable, Maybe that's part of his plan. But you see with Michigan how weird it got, even though he had kind of resurrected that program and got all this excitement and yet felt like he was going to get fired, you know, and then all of a sudden he's now getting re-upped. And then they're like, well, wait a minute, you can't keep interviewing for all these head coaching jobs in the NFL and you've got to sign this letter. So I think it's important to keep that as exciting as it might be. It's important to keep that in context or keep that in mind that everywhere he's gone, you've kind of heard these stories about how uncomfortable it can get because of just how, how he approaches things and how, no doubt. how he operates. No doubt. Maybe uncomfortable is what this team needs. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. It, and I'm, again, I, we don't know. We have no idea. He's, he's got a game to play. We don't know what the list looks like for the chargers. Uh, but it, it seems like an offensive minded head coach who brings toughness. That's a nice combination. That that's I think key this, too, Chris. You said it. Their offense. Yeah, 
You know, it's like, is Justin Herbert going to go into his fifth offense? You know, get the offensive head coach. It's his system. And now, as opposed to Belichick, Tomlin, Vrabel, you're worrying about a coordinator. Yeah. As, as far as these other veteran head coaches, you know, Belichick's interesting. You know, if if if, if Pittsburgh wants to run Tomlin out of town, there will, there will be a, a line of teams no ready to give him a long-term deal. David Tepper was the minority owner in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm sure that he would be one of the first phone calls. You know, Washington, he went to William & Mary in Virginia. You don't think Josh Harrison Company want to make a splash at the end of the year? Uh, so it's not it's not only money to what the Chargers need, it's who they're competing with. You mentioned the Raiders. The Raiders, are gonna, they've thrown big money at coaches. Um, you know, Washington has a lot of money and wants to make a big splash. You know, Tepper knows he can't get this wrong. And who knows what else is going to happen throughout the NFL with with vacancies. So that's where I think it's not only money, but would you, and this is an interesting question and an interesting exercise, would you trade a draft pick for a coach if you think that it's the coach that's going to get you over the hump? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you know, what are you going to use that draft pick on? A single player. If you feel like yeah. it's a, like the Broncos did with Sean Payton, like the uh, Bucks did with John Gruden, like you know, the, like the the Patriots did with Bill Belichick. If you feel like it's someone that's going to change your entire operation, that's going to change your culture, then absolutely, uh, it becomes hard when you have maybe between the fifth and the ninth pick in the draft, and you're talking about an impact player that's under salary control. Yeah for five years, you know, that it's going to be playing under what his production suggests he should be getting paid. That's a little tough, you know, but yeah, the early second though, have that early second or what you do is you find a way to get another one, you know, you, you figure out how to get a back end one and you know, that could be in form of a player that's on the move. You know, one of your more valuable players, that's a veteran that, you know, you're going to be tearing this thing down a little bit and you can move. So I think, I think there's ways to do that for sure. If you, I, cause it's, you know, and that's the whole thing with money that people were talking about. Oh, I don't know if they'll spend the money. I said, look, the money's the money. You're talking about spending the equivalent. If you were going to, if, if the, if the idea that you had for what a going rate for a coach is, is five to 6 million bucks now in 2024. Okay. Let's add a, a lot in, uh, in, in, on the, you know, an, a linebacker or an interior lineman to that seven million bucks. Now you're at twelve million, and you're in that that higher upper echelon. Sean McVay, Jim Harbaugh range. That's it. It's all you're adding. It's and you can find that player in the third or fourth round of the draft instead of buying it in free agency. Now you've got your money. Now it's like it's not that big of a deal. You know, I understand. You know that that some owners are yeah. multi-billionaires and have a lot more cash at their disposal, <clears throat> and that the the Spanos family <clears throat> just built a three hundred million dollar facility, just wrote a check for over a hundred million bucks for Justin Herbert, you know, because of the escrow rules in the NFL. So yes, I get it. That there, there, there could be some financial issues because the the team had to put out three hundred million bucks from their pocket and their coffers. Okay, I get that. But not on a yearly basis. That's not. That's ridiculous. It's. It's not going to get in the way. If their guy is, is is they identify that individual and that individual is coming with a with a higher price tag than they've ever paid for a coach before, they know. They know this is their window. They've got the golden goose and Justin Herbert. They've got the facility. They've got the stadium. They've got everything. You know, the one thing they need is a leader. They they need a leader that can take all this talent and convince them things are going to change. I can feel it. That facility is another uh, nice chip for whoever's coming in as, as the general manager and the head coach. I mean, you have a brand new facility, um, top of the top uh, in El Segundo. And, you know, just going back to the, to the potential list, you know, just because we say, Hey, maybe a, a first time head coach isn't the right move. Somebody may interview and show that they had the characteristics of being a CEO. You know, you know, a lot of people didn't know what they were going to get with Sean McVay. Sean McVay is a top three coach in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we don't want to discount that. I, I just, I think as as someone 
looking at it from a macro perspective and seeing what they've done the last decade, it may behoove them to move into a direction where you have a veteran presence that you know when they have to play Sean Payton twice a year and play Andy Reid twice a year. I think Travis Kelsey on his podcast said, keep Belichick away from the AFC yeah. West. He wanted a jabroni. He wanted the Chargers to hire a yeah. jabroni. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think that's you know that's one of the best ways to approach it is who who do those two teams not want you to hire? Who do they not? Who who do they above all else not? They don't want you to hire Bill Belichick. They don't want you to hire Mike Tomlin. They don't want you to hire Jim Harbaugh. They don't want them in their division. Hundred percent. Just like we didn't want the Broncos to hire Sean Payton. You know, it's like it's that when they hired Nate Hackett, woo! You know, that's like. Really, because you're talking about a track record. And I think that's, to me, that statement is exactly what we're talking about. That's what walks through your door. Hey, guys, look who's here. Someone that Travis Kelsey said he has no interest in, in having in the division. Yeah. Hey, look who your head coach is. So I think, I also think that it's important to acknowledge that these things have gone wrong. You know, that the that the big name head coach, in fact, has gone wrong in the past it, it can you know the coordinator can be better it's not always a panacea that you're going to hire that coach with the big name and it's going to work out it doesn't always happen that way um there like we said nick sirianni philadelphia mike mcdaniel miami shane steichen D'Amico ryan's this year teams that were supposed to finish with between two and four wins and are contending for their title in the division you know, I think the, I, I think the, look, would I like to have Doug Peterson? Absolutely. But I think the jury is still out on, okay, how, where, where are we at with this roster and where are we at with the production and where are we at with the development of the quarterback? So I think there's still a little bit of question mark there on Doug Peterson, you know, and he was hired to be that guy that followed Urban Meyer, a total disaster to bring stability, to bring respect back to that position. And I think he did, certainly, that first year, considering the turnaround, how quick it was. But I think there's still a little bit of question mark there. So I, I think it's – I don't want anyone to walk away from this thinking, oh, it's one guy and one guy only. That's not what I'm saying. I just feel like if you were to try to to line everything up, if you were to put a list together of, hey, what do we want? And what would what would our ideal candidate look like? Offense, so you don't have to keep changing the offense on your quarterback. Former head coach – commands respect winner you know winner that changed culture somewhere i think you that just it's so obvious that it points to that one particular guy and and because of harbaugh he's the only offensive guy that we're talking about you know the other three guys would be great rabel tomlin belichick all the dan quinn they're all defensive guys and now you're running into an issue where you, you have an offense where herbert passes for five thousand yards and you light it up and now your coordinator gets hired away and that's that's the fear with having a defensive head coach is that the most important asset on your roster in the entire organization is continually screwed with because they lose their coordinators. So the, the, the sexy topic is the head coach. Um, perhaps maybe more vital is who the general manager is going to be because they're going to have a, uh, a tall task rolling into this thing. We mentioned some of the big cap numbers and how this roster is going to have to be reshaped and it may take a couple of years to really maximize what you have on this roster, um, the structure too, right? Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's a great point, Chris. And I think that just kind of depends on, like you said, you know, are you hiring a big name head coach that has had experience in, in running the personnel side or having a very heavy hand in the personnel side of an organization? And obviously, Bill Belichick has had that. Mike Tomlin has had that. You know, Jim Harbaugh has had that. So I think that's and, – and if that's the case, then, you know, perhaps because we know darn well that, that JoJo is plenty capable of, of being a general manager, then maybe it's, hey, let's get you to sit down with JoJo and let's see if this can work. And, you know, there's no confusion about, you know, where the ultimate authority is in, in deciding exactly what happens at execution, but you're working in tandem. Or – is it going to be more along the, you know, the other, the other, I would say the more traditional, although it seems like now the traditional way is to hire the big name coach with a general manager in a package, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, you know, that's what we're seeing, but is it to hire 
that general manager, and then you let that general manager conduct the head coaching search. But, you know, based on the comments that John Spanos made, I get the sense that that they're at the very least going to try. They're going to try like hell to go big game hunting. They, they want to land one of these big dogs. And so for me, I think that that tends to, and, and then I think you, you, you would, you adjust your general manager search from there, you know? So, and it's really finding someone, it's not giving the coach the, it's not giving the coach, you're, you're our head scout and you're our director of pro personnel and you're our director of college scouting and you're our general manager. It's not that you can't do it. It's just too much work. You're talking about 600 players and, and players like undrafted free agents from division three and, and colleges in Canada that they just can't possibly keep up with and, and to keep up with, with the staff. So that's not what you're hiring them for. What you're doing is you're trying to find a partner. Who can we partner you up with that, you know, you're comfortable talking to, you know, they're going to bring you what you really need to see because you're too busy as a head coach when it comes to constructing the roster. And, and I don't think it's worth getting into names, you know, that, that, that are, people listen to the podcast, you know, we'd be joking. We'd be, it'd be a joke for, for us to start going through that list. There are a couple names that I'm familiar with just because I work with DJ and I know who these people are, but it's just not worth going through. And I think that's also, by the way, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm a little biased. I'd interview DJ. I, I know I get to watch him watch film. I, he tells me about these players before anybody else has ever mentioned their names and I know how good of a talent, a talent evaluator he is. I know how good of a human being he is. I know the, the, you know, the character constitution in which he operates. I'd absolutely interview him. I think it'd be crazy not to. Um, I know for a fact he's gotten offers that he's turned down because he does not want to leave Southern California. And he's got a great gig at NFL Network as their lead analyst in the world of, of player personnel and drafts. So um, I'd be really surprised if, I mean, I guess it's kind of weird to say you're hiring your radio analyst a little bit for the national Not media, if it's DJ. But that's what <laughs> I mean. You know, it's it's a different deal. So at the very least, I'm sure he'll be involved in the process. I can't imagine him not being involved in the, the process a little bit, you know. So, but that's, I'd have no problem, you know. And again, I'm different. I, I sit next to him. I, I, I know, you know, I know how bright of a mind he has and how good he is at evaluating talent. So, um. But yeah, and you know what? I wouldn't just, I, I would just enjoy having him have to work with Jim Harbaugh every day. That would make me happy. <laughs> that would make me very happy. Either way, you, get, you, you would get to work with him, whether he would be in a uh, personal capacity or, or or your partner in the radio. Oh, I'd make him still but, do the games. I'd, I'd force him to still do the games. And he'd have to still do the sorry, games. Sorry, I got to do the games, DJ. I know that you have You're supposed to be sitting with the owner right now. Uh, but yeah, take a call if you have to here or there. I can fill in those gaps. So can Shannon, but, uh, but you got to do the games. I'll, listen, I, I have no idea what DJ's interest would be. I would say this: I, I, you know, had the pleasure of knowing him for the last several years, and there's not a brighter mind uh, yeah. from a, from a personnel standpoint. Um, you could do a heck of a lot worse than DJ. He would definitely be on a, on a short list if if he was ever interested in a job like that because he's just he's amazing at what he does. It it, it obviously shines through on television, but just how quickly he can process what he sees and um, it's. It's got to be a joy for you to 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 be a part of that every Sunday and just you know the talks on the bus and and knowing how he operates. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun and and all he does he's he's a junkie. He just watches yeah. film and I sit next to him on the plane and I get to watch. You know, if I'm not distracted by some anima or, or an Indonesian action film, I'll watch film with him and uh, and I can remember one that really jumped out. You know, it was about four or five years. Well. First of all, I can remember when everyone was talking about uh, Panay Sewell, Panay Sewell, greatest offensive line prospect that's coming out. And I'm talking about six months before the draft. And he's saying, this kid at Northwestern's better. Like he's just, and no one was talking about Rashawn Slater. Yet. I remember that. And he was way ahead on that one. Another offensive line. Um, I, everybody was talking about this Alex Leatherwood, Alex Leatherwood, Alabama, Alex Leatherwood, Alabama. And, and he's like, Hey, tell me if I'm crazy, but Chadwick Wills is way better than this guy. And we're watching and that's just the sort of things that couple that, that, that I remember, um, that, that really stand out to me. Um, and, and that's, you know, there's, there's a million, a million of them. There are a million of them. Um, so, you know, I, Dalton Kincaid was was a huge one for him. 
you know, that I think he ended up being like a top 10 player for him. Uh, Laporta was too. Laporta as well. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. I, Mike Mayock, who I also appreciate and is a friend, and and Matt Millen have done DJ no favors in trying to move from TV into a uh, front office role. But uh, I think it would certainly be interesting, and, and I can't imagine Charger fans would have any problem with him being named the GM. No doubt. Uh, a lot of discussion on on the old X and social media about this move and, and what the Chargers are going to do moving forward. And, you know, just consider us another voice just yeah. to kind of talk and – all speculation. There is, speculate there is no inside just, knowledge here. This is just a hundred percent. Please understand my individual opinion and conversations I've just had with friends, you know, in the industry or, or even fans just walking around. I have absolutely zero insight to, to what they are, are thinking. And keep in mind, we are at the very first baby step of this process too. Yeah. There's three more weeks to go in the season. You got the playoffs. Who knows what's going to happen around the NFL? There could be some surprise firings. There could be somebody yeah. from the college ranks that wants to jump up to the NFL. I mean, there, there's so many things that can happen. We're just kind of in this, okay, how do we react to what just happened on Thursday night right. and, and who are the potential possibilities? No? 100%. Yeah. Um, guys, it, it has been a difficult season, um, and we appreciate you being with us every Thursday as we kind of uh, – rehash the games and kind of make sense of you know the highs and lows of the year and obviously last thursday was was about as low as it can get uh for uh for the fans and we know that the next three games at least you got coach giff running the show um hopefully they can put on a good performance against the bills and we reset this thing money and uh you know a lot of good players on this team a lot of big decisions that need to be made but uh, when you have 10 you have a chance right no doubt no doubt. I, I, I still believe the future is incredibly bright for this franchise. You've got a franchise left tackle, a franchise defensive end, a franchise quarterback. We've said it before. Those are the three most important positions in football. And and I believe they have it in Thule, Slater, and Herbert. And that is awfully intriguing and enticing for a general manager and a head coach to want to build around and to want to coach. And you've got an organization that is committed to winning they showed that this year in in spending a quarter of a billion dollars on their quarterback, another $100 million in pushing contracts forward, converting to signing bonus, signing free agents, everything they were willing to do this year financially, I think, shows the commitment that the Spanos have to, to, to delivering a Super Bowl to the city of Los Angeles uh, and the Chargers in the first in the history of the Chargers organization. So I, I am very excited about, about what this thing could look like moving forward while at the same time also being incredibly disappointed at how it turned out this year so well we wish everybody uh, a merry christmas Indeed. happy holidays as we get into this weekend chargers play on saturday and we'll be with you next thursday uh for money i'm chris this has been chargers weekly we're presented by microsoft service